This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap, our special seven days of 2022 gets underway right now. We kick it all off with looking at the tech giants. We're talking Microsoft and Google. What have they been up to this year? Welcome to Double Tap 7 Days of 2022, the big accessible tech review. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest. Hey, Hello. Sean Priest. Oh, sorry. Is that Christmas Carol? That was beautiful. Wasn't that Thank gorgeous? Very much. Yeah. You've woken me up from my Brussels sprout coma. I am stuffed. I am bursting, but I love it. Thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I've, I've had a nice time. It's been very pleasant, just relaxing. And, you know, just what you do is you basically just work out what's good on Netflix, try and store it up over the year. You know, mm. add everything to my list that you never get a chance to get around to. Yes. And then spend Christmas Day not watching it because you watch other stuff that's already been on a thousand times, like The Sound of Music. Ah, oh, you can't... A bit of James Bond, a bit of Goldfinger, Jules. Ah, oh, man, classics. Yeah, exactly. All the... all the <laughs> Die Hard, which is the <laughs> least Christmassy... I still haven't seen this movie. Still never seen Die Hard. Sh- you, uh, hush your lips. Of course. What? It's Christmas. That is Christmas. It's like The Snowman, uh, some other Christmas... Die Hard is Christmas in our house. Yeah, I must admit. I, I know. It's, it's like... Um, <laughs> What was the other movie? There was another movie that everyone used to say was Christmas. I can't remember which one it was, but I mean, in our family, it's always the Halloween. same. Halloween. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. My favourite, my favourite <laughs> Christmas movie of all time is Halloween. Um, but no, certainly, I mean, you know, the Scrooged film. Remember the one with Bill Murray in it? That, uh, uh, yeah, I like that one. Yeah. And the I zombie, um, the zombie cabbie on it. Yeah, it was very good. Yes, that's right. That was a brilliant one, you know, all about the TV show. IBC, you'll love it. Remember that? Oh. Very it good. was Y-U-L-E, you'll love it, which was very clever. I oh, well, oh, well done. Not as good as the Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, I that's like my favourite movie. We've got the true spirit of Christmas here, the TV. Oh, beautiful. Absolutely. God bless that us, is, everyone. Absolutely. Thank goodness for the boob tube. That's all I can say, because without it, we would be stuffed. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? The boob tube. Isn't that an item of clothing? Well, it, it can be, but it's also the... Tel- You're not old enough to remember it being called the, the boob tube, are you? I don't think it was ever called the boob tube. It was. Tube. That's what people used to call it all the time. No one ever called it a boob tube. I'm, pr- I'm, I'm sure they did. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm if slightly they, worried. If they didn't, then uh, they do now. Of course, the thing is, you know, these days it doesn't matter because facts don't matter anymore. It depends what you were watching on it, I suppose. But um, okay, well done. Anyway, you. look, we're here for the next seven days. Well, not entirely the seven days straight. We are right through. Uh, we're going to be here Monday to Saturday uh, here on AMI Audio and on podcast as well. We'll also be here the following week on the Monday. Uh, we're going to be going through the seven days of 2022. Are you excited? Ooh, of course I am. Seven days of tech, you can't beat it. It's like Christmas. Exactly. Oh, this is this is <laughs> this is wrapping up <laughs> everything that we have done over the last year. I've got wrapping to say, how we're going to fill seven days in this is kind of beyond me. But okay, I mean, we apparently did cover things in the last year, so uh, I suppose. We? Yeah, I know. I was kind okay. of amazed. I'll be honest with you. When we started out this journey to put this together, I was kind of thinking to myself. You know that way you think at first, oh, come on, there's loads we could talk about. There's so much yeah. stuff. And then you put the list together and you go, hmm, right, okay. Um, but no, actually, it's turned out there's quite a lot. There's quite a lot. And that's why we've kind of split it up into different parts because there's so much to get through. We're going to talk about all the accessible tech stories. We're going to talk about um, some of the, the favourite demos we've had over the last year because um, we've had some great demos from from you, from the audience, from other people, uh, none from me, funnily enough. Um, yeah, I don't do demos. I don't do demos. I'm the face. I'm the beautiful, beautiful face of oh, this of operation. You're the double tap face. I am the double tap face. Some people would quite like to double yes. tap this face, I believe. <laughs> um, but we're going to kick it off today with looking at the tech giants. And over today and tomorrow, we're going to look at all the big tech companies, get that all out the way, because look, they, they, have, they are at the top of the game, I think. And we start with Microsoft today, because... I actually do think they're at the top of their game when it comes to accessibility. I think they've done incredibly well again yeah. this year. And, um, you know, every every single year we come around to, and I remember when Windows 11 was launched, and I remember thinking, you know, I remember there was, I remember there was that whole kick up about there wasn't much mention of accessibility at the very beginning and people were getting all upset about it. Of course. 
yes. as they do. And of course, yeah. if you just wait a couple of days, wait, as I say to my dog all the time, wait, Oof. you will oh. get your treat. I can't say the B word because, you know, biscuit. Uh, then they'll know. Yeah. Um, listening. Yeah. But, you know, just a bit of patience is good, right? And, and it came, and it came. Stop doing that. You'll Sausages. upset the animal. You're upset. Listen, this dog's not moving. This dog has eaten everything in sight for the past three days. Um, but no, Microsoft have done an incredible job this year. Windows 11, another triumph. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally. I think it's fantastic. Thanks. So um, I'm glad. Is that, is that your extent of the contribution this year then? Is it? Yes. What is? I'm just going to say to you, yes, they've done say- well, and you say yes. Well, no, Windows 11, I mean, I think since Windows 10, I think Windows has been actually really... When you consider where we started from, right, Windows had that reputation for constantly crashing, the blue screen of death, right, and we had that Mm. all the time, the driver issues that we used to have. And then Windows 8 came along and tried to do away with the start menu with just the start screen, remember that? And we all hated it. And there were accessibility issues coming out of the Yazoo with that one as well. The edge was terrible. And to give them their due, you know, since Windows 10, I think Windows 10 changed everything, was really good. There's still people that were saying, you know, Windows 7, Windows XP, I'm sticking with it. Yes. And now I think with Windows 11, I think we've got a great operating system there when it comes to accessibility, when it comes to um, you know, the st- stability of it. It's really reliable. I love Windows 11. And that's separate, of course, from the work that uh, Microsoft have been doing when it comes to accessibility and the the, the team, the accessibility team. It's, it's you know, 10 years ago, five years ago even, it was it, it's changed so much. It's unrecognizable. They do a great job. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get into some of that today. I want to kick off the, one of the big Microsoft stories of the year that we covered. And uh, this is a really big story, of course, and that is the launch of the Inclusive Tech Lab, a really major part of their commitment to accessibility. And uh, I was really lucky because I got the chance to speak to Solomon Romney from Microsoft uh, just at the start of the year to talk about what this all meant, what the Inclusive Tech Lab was, and uh, how it would actually help create new products and services in an accessible way uh, from Microsoft. And this is what Solomon told us. I'm Solomon Romney. I am the Accessibility Program Manager for the Inclusive Tech Lab. So I run the day-to-day operations of the lab and all of our varied activities. (laughs) So the Inclusive Tech Lab started in 2017. It was originally an Xbox hardware lab uh, that was founded to really help drive production of the Xbox adaptive controller. And so it it serves in a lot of different capacities. It's an inclusive design uh, hub where we incubate and develop and support the development uh, of accessible technology, whether that's purpose-built accessories like the adaptive controller or whether it's in our mainline products. Uh, It's also a space for people with disabilities, not about them. So we really consider it an embassy for people with disabilities on the Microsoft campus. And that's, that's our North Star. Everything we do is in service to the disability community. So the space is where we bring together members of the community with our product making teams so that we can really understand the needs of who we are designing with. And we, we take a very collaborative approach to product making. And the lab is, is not just the physical space where we do this, but the entire uh, inclusive design practice that we've built in Microsoft hardware. It's about increasing access for people and meeting them where they are. You know, I, I remember when we announced a couple of years back uh, that Google and Apple and Microsoft had co-developed the Braille input language to be universal across all three platforms. And that was was huge, that we had been willing to put things aside to make a standard that was just better for end users across the board. I mean, I yeah, I remember being at conferences with Google and, and Apple execs and all of us working together to make everybody's accessible tech work well, you know, for demos and things like that. It was really sort of a magical moment using Apple hardware to help Google conduct their their demonstration. It was it was really a wonderful moment of going, yeah, accessibility is bigger than all of us. I mean, just really summarizing it, I think, really well there. Solomon Romney, of course, from Microsoft, talking about the 
the Inclusive Tech Lab. And, um, you know, I think for me, what this showed was that there was a real commitment, not just to disabled people and making products accessible, but actually going further than that and giving examples of it, real life examples. And of course, the main one there being that very first product, the Xbox Adaptive Controller, which we also learned this year, uh, nearly got shelved early yes. in, the, in the process. Remember that? That story came out early in the year. It was kind of a surprise. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, again, it just shows the commitment, as you've said. And more than that, it's not just that one, because recently we've had one in the UK open up as well, an inclusive lab. So, you know, it just shows that it's not just a one-off thing, not just giving lip service to to accessibility. They're putting their money where their mouth is. And, you know, when it comes to adaptive hardware as well, and no one, who else was doing that, you know, at that level? Nobody. So, yeah, yeah again, I, I can't say enough good things about Microsoft and accessibility at the moment. And, of course, people will remember as well, the tail end of 2021, we saw the Surface Adaptive Kit, which was the first time we'd ever really seen it. And this was, if you remember back in, in 21, we spoke to Dave Dame from Microsoft, uh, Director of Accessibility, and he was talking about his experience of, you know, being asked to go on stage and present at you know a mainstream event, you know, actually turn up at this event and talk about this new Surface Adaptive Kit, which I remember took quite a lot of us by surprise. You know, we kind of feel we always feel left out when we're not mentioned, but then when we are mentioned, we're all like giddy little kids. It's like, oh, of they mentioned <laughs> us. They mentioned the blind people, and you know, I kind of I get that. You know, it's like having your name read out in the radio. It's like, oh, it's a big deal. But it, does, it, is, it is a big deal, and it, it means a lot. And we've seen a lot of that this year. We're going to talk about that over the course of the next few days, how you know we've seen in mainstream events and in mainstream places you know, real conversations about accessibility in a real positive way. The Surface Adaptive Kit was the beginning of that, but of course it extended into this year with the launch of the Surface Adaptive Accessories. Now, this was really interesting because this was the first time we got the chance to you know, really see a reimagined keyboard and mouse experience for people with physical disabilities. But in theory, anybody could benefit from this. And uh, Gabby Michelle from Microsoft joined me to talk about uh, them. Let's hear what she had to say as she demonstrates how these products will work, in particular the, uh, the new adaptive mouse and keyboard. My name is Gabby Michelle. I am the Director of Accessible Accessories in Microsoft Devices. We announced a whole set of new adaptive accessories at the Ability Summit. We announced the Microsoft Adaptive Mouse, and then there is also the Microsoft Adaptive Mouse Tail and Thumb support that go with it. We also announced the Microsoft Adaptive Hub and then three Microsoft Adaptive Buttons. So we have the D-pad button, the dual button, and the joystick button. The Microsoft Adaptive Mouse actually starts with a small mouse core. This mouse core, it's about 55 millimeters square. It is a uh, mostly matte black color. The texture is very similar to our uh, Xbox controllers. The sides of the mouse are actually very slightly angled to allow you to use it in multiple uh, orientations because you can swap the tails, which I'll get to next. There is a physical scroll wheel in the center and two physical buttons. So on the back of the device, we've got power, Bluetooth, and an eject button. And if you push the eject button, the back of the mouse actually comes right off. And then from there, you can attach any tail. So I am holding our Microsoft Adaptive mouse tail and thumb support. It clicks right in and you can have a traditional mouse. The tail is meant to be sized for most hands. It's also matte black, follows the standard ergonomic curve that you'd want in a mouse, as does the thumb support. Right now I have the thumb support in the right hand orientation, but there is a small carrot on one side that I can push in, unclick the thumb support and swap it over to the other side. And now I have the mouse in the left-hand orientation. There are a lot of 3D printed tails that you could also attach if you don't want a traditional mouse. I have a small purple 3D printed tail 
that has long finger scoops that go over the top of the mouse, which also clicks right in and can create a small mouse for a young person who maybe has involuntary movements or tremors. And honestly, the possibilities are endless. There's lots of different things you can click in. So the uh, Microsoft Adaptive Hub is a long, slim hub. It's about 25 millimeters tall and about a little over 100 millimeters long. So it's definitely sort of long and skinny, lightweight. On the top of the hub is a, on the right side, is a round Bluetooth button. All the way on the other side of the hub is a square profile button. Uh, on the front of the hub, you have five three and a half millimeter ports, which you could attach to standard assistive tech switches, those digital switches that a lot of people use. Opposite of that are three USB ports where if you wanted to wire the buttons, you could, but they're totally wireless. Uh, one end has a power button. The other one has a USB-C port for power. The hub itself is fully wireless. Uh, again, you can wire it if that's what you want, but you absolutely can use it wirelessly. And then what goes with the hub are the new Microsoft Adaptive buttons. I am holding the Microsoft Adaptive D-pad button. So this one's about 55 millimeters square, very similar shape to the mouse. And it has a faceted D-pad on the top that takes up pretty much the entire top surface. Uh, obviously it's a circle that's on a square, so it fits like a circle would on a square. It has eight facets, so it's that fully faceted um, design that you might find on our uh, Xbox Elite wireless controller. And actually, each one of these has its own unique switch underneath it. So each of these eight facets can be a different input. Uh, it's got a really nice little soft click tactile feel. Um, on one end of the square, you have a power button and a sync button. That sync button is to wirelessly connect to the hub. So this does absolutely wirelessly connect to the hub. And the other one, you have a USB-C for charging. And that's the button. So that's the D-pad button. The dual button, same size, uh, but the top on it is just two halves of a circle that are convex. And then the joystick button is looks like a sort of a typical joystick, a gaming joystick where it's got a long, skinny top. The toppers totally swap off. So I've got the joystick. I'm doing a very light twist. And the topper actually comes completely off the top. And on the joystick itself, the stem also unscrews from the topper. And then you can swap out a lot of different pieces, again, with 3D printing. So really interesting just to learn there, Sean, about how these adaptive accessories work and get that proper walkthrough. Uh, you know, it's really interesting. I, I don't know how useful this is something that is going to be useful to us or whether it's going to be more useful to someone with physical disabilities. But I know that, you know, it would be, it would be really interesting when we get hands on with this in January. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really interested in the adaptive buttons or keyboard, as it's known, to see what, what we can do with that. Because, um, yeah, I, I'm thinking of using it as some sort of macro key, uh, stream deck. Uh, but the thing is, you know that the software is going to be accessible. Yes. So that's one thing you'd have to worry about, uh, the Elgato software for the stream deck, etc., not accessible at all. So there's one use. And, and that's, you know, again, that's not really its primary use. This is for people who who have you know physical difficulties using this this uh, a mouse or a keyboard. And, and again, Microsoft knocking it out of the park. Who else is going to do this? Well, you know, we're talking sort of specialist tech, but this is the, with the with the um, resources of Microsoft behind it, and absolutely fantastic. You know, the thing that got me was uh, Jenny Lafari, who's the chief executive of uh, you know looking after disability and accessibility at Microsoft. She was in London recently. She's from London. And she was back home visiting England. And she went to the Microsoft store. And she said she was so proud that the 
Microsoft, you know, these accessible products, these assistive products were actually there, right there in the store. There was like yes. a, a big area of the in the store accessible to everyone, you know, and, and just, I think that's great. The thing we, we have to always be careful, I think, not so much us, but I think, you know, companies like Microsoft, they're really trying hard and they're not alone in this. They're trying hard not to say this is just for disabled people. And disabled people can often fall into that trap of, but we need this for us. And I get that. You know, we do. We want this. We need this. But in order for it to be successful, for order for it to continue, not just to be a thing that comes along and then disappears, at the end of the day, you know, Microsoft is a company that has to make money. And, you know, if, if it comes a point where, it, look, no one's buying it or it's not a thing that's going to be popular, then it'll go away. And we don't want that. You know, so I think that no. actually looking at it like, you know, an alternative to the Stream Deck is a great example of how to think about it. You know, a lot of people don't, you know, might not want that. Or maybe if they're, I'm thinking about people who are DJs or, you know, people who work in different setups where having actual physical button to press that does a specific task would be really useful. People who video edit, who yes. use these different kind of controllers. And the fact that you can build this thing up, because, you know, as Gabby was saying, that all these different components can be put together. And you could create like a big, you know, keyboard of your own of your own making with all kinds of switches and dials. You know, I, I think there's people who are play flight, flight simulator right now who are probably thinking that would do me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the, the the old cliche of you know, if you, the accessibility just makes it better for everyone. Everyone yeah. gets a better experience, and it's exactly the same when it comes to hardware and interfaces as well. So, you know, anyone. You don't have to have a what's classed as a disability to benefit from using, you know, that mouse in that way. Yeah, you don't have to walk in and show your disabled badge. No, no. In order <laughs> exactly. to get these accessories. Thank goodness. Can you imagine? I mean, there's probably a time. I mean, I can think back to the, the time when, I mean, certainly I remember in the UK, I don't know what it's like elsewhere in the, in the, in the world, but uh, I remember when disabled people who, you know, could drive, you know, so someone in a wheelchair, for example, would be given a specific type of car. It was a three-wheeled car. Oh, yes, that? that's right. It couldn't go around corners too fast because no. they would just tip over. You had more wheels on your wheelchair than you had on your car. <laughs> and it just was ridiculous. that this was the And it was the disabled person's car. They actually made it for people, you know, who were... I mean, it was... I, I, that wasn't even that long ago, you know. That's I remember. Terrible. I, I remember them parked all over the place, and you yeah. just know that was the the car for disabled people. I mean, it's unbelievable. So things have moved on, thank goodness. And you know, yes. the thing is that you know we have to just make sure that people are aware that these tools are you know available. And I know there's lots of people listen to this who are not blind and who are not disabled. But you know, that, that's in no way should that be a a marker for a lot of the products we talk about. Because no, I mean, no. it, with the exception of Braille. I think Braille is always going to be the exception, and it has to be. But of course. Nearly everything else we talk about should be something that is classed. Even even I talk about the Blind Show Classic to people, and I say, yes, it is a phone that is built for blind people. But, you know, actually, if you've got low, low vision or even lower vision, you could benefit from that. You know, yeah. it, that's because, it's, again, it's, it's a great phone. It's got a great display on it. It's really simple to use. It's a smartphone, but with the usability of, uh, you know, your old, candy bar phone right yeah and we're going to talk about that later in the year as well because we're uh, later in this uh, week as well because we talked of course to uh, barry asman from blind shell usa um we're going to talk and and hear from him uh, again later in this week we've got so much so many so many bits of audio so many stories i want to get to in the uh, the next couple of days but you know actually just staying on microsoft for this segment because i want to mention something else and it came out roughly around the time windows 11 was announced and I remember we talked about this. I actually tried to search for the clip because I, I was really wanting to play this in, but I couldn't find it. And there was a clip of, I think it was a Microsoft presentation, where they had someone talking about how um, Android apps would work on Windows 11 because that was something that was being implemented. You could download and install Android apps onto Windows. And if you remember... Oh, yes. There was I know a story. Where you're going. I just thought it was a great story to bring up. Just another example of how they're thinking ahead with this. That they had built essentially a sub, what would you call this? Like a sub, was a name for this? Yeah, a, it was a subsystem screen reader or something, it. wasn't it? I, I, yes. Kind of using really Talkback cool. or some version of Talkback, but it was actually working through Narrator. It was so that the apps would work, essentially. So the apps would work well. 
this screen reader would interface properly with the apps as it was intended to, but it would do it through your Windows computer. And that just blew my mind when that came out. Yeah, me too. Because this is the question we were all asking, you know, from from when this first comes out, you know, Android apps are spoiled. And the first thing we think is, well, what about a screen reader? And usually you got to wait and wait and wait until a company, you know, comes around to even mentioning it. Microsoft did this. There was a YouTube video out there almost straight away. Yes, that's right. It was amazing. And it, it wasn't professionally produced. I don't mean that, you know, with any disrespect. It was a presentation, wasn't it? It was from the accessibility team. It was, yeah, it was just someone it. using it, right? And it was, yeah. wow, amazing. Yeah, that was really good. And that is a really good example. You're right. That's a really good example of their attitude now. And narrators growing up a lot, I feel it's I feel it's kind of becoming a teenager. It's going to start becoming troublesome at some point. People are going to get annoyed by it, but they're going to also kind of like it. Um, and you know, narrator is, is certainly coming of age in that regard. And you know, we're starting to see improvements in in terms of braille support this year. We've seen a lot more with a lot of the um, you know wider range of braille displays that are out there today being uh, able to work with that, which is brilliant. The yeah. big one for us, though, of course, with narrator was voices. Microsoft Aria, Natural, English, United States. This is Narrator Home, where you can get help, access your settings, and learn about new features. Narrator is a screen reader that describes aloud what's on your screen, so you can use that information to navigate your device. To start or stop Narrator, press the Windows logo key plus control plus enter. I mean, what a great voice. That was Aria. And, you know, one of many examples of new voices this year, including Jenny. Microsoft Jenny, Natural, English, United States. This is Narrator Home, where you can get help, access your settings, and learn about new features. I mean, how cool is it just to have those voices? Those kind of voices in something like Narrator, you would expect that to turn up in JAWS. Yes, absolutely. The best voices out there. I'm going yeah. to say it. I know you, you're an eloquence fan, but when it comes to natural sounding voices, the best voices out there. I love using narrator with those voices. It makes a huge difference. It makes listening to your emails so so much nicer. You know what I mean? And, and you can have them at a fair old lick as well, a fair old speech uh, mm-hmm. speed. So, um, yeah, I really like them. I just wish they were system ride so you could use them in other screen readers as well, but amazing. Yeah, I mean, as we talked about back at the beginning of the year, we talked, of course, about the Microsoft Cloud Voices that existed, which you would find in, say, Microsoft Edge, Read Aloud, and that kind of thing. And those voices are incredible. And we're starting to see, I think we're starting to see those voices start to drift through onto Narrator, which is just brilliant. So, yeah, I mean, it's a really good year for Microsoft. Uh, you know, and it's not the only time I'm going to mention them through this uh, week, but you know, I thought we'd, we'd kick off our 7 days of 2022 just looking at some of the big tech companies. Up next, we're going to talk about Google. Stay right there. Stay tuned as we continue to review the big accessible tech stories of 2022. Next. You're listening to Double Tap 7 Days of 2022, the big accessible tech news review. Now, back to the show. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Double Tap 7 Days of 2022. And wow, what a year it's been. We're starting off with the tech giants. We talked about Microsoft in the first segment, but uh, now we're going to move on to Google. And you know, how many people thought when we said tech giants, we were going to start with Apple? I bet everyone thought they're going to kick off with Apple and that's all we're going to talk about for the whole week. I gotta say, I'm surprised myself. Well, I'm kind <laughs> well of going. You. I'm kind of going not in order of preference in any way because that would be unfair. Um, but I'm kind of also going with with the ones I think have had the biggest stories to tell this year, and 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 that for that reason, I'm kind of putting Apple third in the line behind Microsoft <gasps> and Google. Well, I think, done. I think I think Apple have haven't had a huge. I mean, they've had a lot of stuff to talk about, and we will talk about their stuff uh, on the next episode, but. Today, I really wanted to focus on Microsoft because I think they've done a great job over the last year. And that's just been evidenced by the, the, the work they've done. The, like we said, not just the actual accessories and the products they've produced, but that lab as well. Um, you know, really developing the next level of accessible technology and making sure that it is accessible, really showing that commitment. Google are doing the same. And um, we're going to kick off this segment by playing in a bit of an interview we did with Christopher Patno. Christopher was on the show with us earlier in the year, 
And he came on to talk about a range of different things, but one particular area we wanted to get into was Android 13, big updates this year, of course, and that question around Braille that everyone was wondering about with the issues that some people were having using their Braille display with Google devices. We put all those questions to Christopher this year. There's a few things that are of note. One of my favorite sort of secret small features is a, a new centralized setting for audio description. So until now, every application had to create their own setting. You'd have to know it's there. You have to go find it and turn it on. Well, what we've done on request of, of developers is create a centralized setting to say, I want audio description tracks. So you set this, and in time, as, as more and more developers take advantage of it, your, your experience will be better because they'll be able to automatically load the right track. So you can have these descriptions that you would want. That's a small thing, but I think it's, it, it is a really neat one that, that, that looks to the future and, and, and really makes it a better user experience. Another cool thing that wasn't part of Android 13 but was released around the same time is this, a, a new update to Lookout. It's a version three of Lookout. And the, the two sort of big features here for me are, one is we've added support for image descriptions for images that, that it, it, it can see. So we can describe captions or people, objects, and text, which is, which is great. It's kind of like what Chrome has with a get image descriptions. Um, but now it's on, 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 your, on your lookout. The second thing, and this is a real neat usability one, is the technical term is called deep paragraphing. But what, that, what it really means is, say you take a menu or a, 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 a bill from, from, say, a grocery store, and you see, like, eggs, bread, cheese, and you, you see $1, $5, and $10 because, of, because things are just more expensive these days. Um, what used to happen is it would go linearly down. It would just the list of items and then the list of prices. But now we have a better understanding of the relationship between these things. So we'll say bread to $1, cheese, $5, eggs, $10. So that kind of description of these, this text around you, this contextual information, it makes it easier to understand what's happening. So that's, that's lookout. But the big thing, and I think this is where you really wanted me to go, is, is, is the changes in, into TalkBack 13. So the big headline feature in, in the TalkBack 13 is the integration of Brailleback into TalkBack. What this really means is that there's so much less friction when it comes to having Braille on your Android device. You don't need to go download a second application, install it, or you don't need to know about it. You have to go find it. It's part of the TalkBack ex installation experience. So because of that, it is much easier to get started, much easier to use. And what's neat is now that we've integrated these two pieces of code together, we'll be able to innovate in, in terms of Braille much more moving forward. We have a much better integration with Braille displays because it just happens much, much more seamlessly when it comes to TalkBack. We have a, an easier UI settings for the integration of, because we've integrated these things together, it, you have one place to go to adjust your settings for all of these things together. We've added a representation indicators for like headings, links, clickables, and long clickables. Um, but for me, the most the most exciting thing is just that this is we've been working on this for a couple of years. It's done, and this sets the framework for us to be able to move faster and and have a lot more innovation in terms of Braille on the Android platform. Yeah, it, it's an interesting area, isn't it? Because you know Braille has for a long time been seen as lacking, and I should say not just with Android, but across any smart device, we see a lot of criticisms from from Braille users on both sides, whether you're iOS or or an Android, uh, and it seems that. Uh, you know, with the adoption of Brailleback into TalkBack, that is something that is clearly being addressed. It's, it's being taken more seriously in some people's views, and I think that's that's interesting. There is no doubt, though, there is a bit of controversy around this because there is the issue with these HID displays. Mm -hmm. um, can you maybe talk a bit about that? Because some of these displays that people have are not being supported, at least in this form or this version of TalkBack with Braille included. Well, so what we've been focusing on is making sure that that TalkBack has a great experience for those devices that use the standard Bluetooth serial uh, protocol R called RFCOM, which is the protocol that's used by most vendors. Um, we have every intention of supporting the new HID standard, but it's going to be tough. It's going to take some changes in terms of the Linux kernel. And if you, if, if you understand it, how operating systems are built, this is as low level as you can get, and the ramifications are large. So this is not something that we can just easily turn around in, in a couple of months. 
Um, to, the, to our knowledge, with, with very few exceptions, all devices today support either the HID or both the RFCOM and the HID support. There's only been, like I think, one or two devices that only support the HID. And to, from what I understand, there's been even a bit of blowback for, the, for, for them for having not supported the older version. So hopefully they can step up. I don't want to name names, but hopefully they'll be able to step up and add this RFCOM support so everybody can use their devices as the industry as a whole moves forward to make these changes. You know, when you say this is a, it's almost a system level, it's a rewrite of the kernel to add this HID support, which I totally understand. But are you talking about when it comes to the Android kernel or is this purely on the Braille back uh, component? It's the Android Where the kernel. problem lies. It's the Android kernel. It is as low level as you can get. It's, ah, not, okay. it's not something that we can fix. We, there's no like USB, U, new HID equals one code yes. <laughs> that you can say. No, it is really making changes at the lowest levels of the operating system, at, at the Linux kernel, at the basis of the, of the operating system. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So we are talking a bit of a wait then before the HID compatibility compatibility will come through because this is a, a, a major uh, rewrite, I would have guessed. It, it, it is a real, it is, it is a significant, it, it is a significant change and it happens yes. with multiple teams across Google the work is being scoped. We have every intention of supporting it, but it's not going to come quickly. I just want to be sort of honest about that. I think it's, well, we appreciate you telling us about this. And I think a lot of people will be pleased to hear that, you know, the fact that support is coming, but it takes time. You know, I, I remember the old adage, Chris, patience is a virtue. Doesn't seem to be the case anymore <laughs> for a lot of people, but for, for us, for me especially, it is. I think we should wait because look, at the end of the day, if you were to roll it out and it wasn't ready, how much kickback would you get then, right? So, you know, I, I, th- I think it's it's right to wait and let's let's see what is um, let's let's see what, what comes around with the work that's being done and let's make sure that it's right before it's launched. Um, you know, picking up on Lookout mm-hmm. because I, I have to say, I um, look, people know this from me. You know this, Chris. I am a I'm an Apple guy, right? But I love Lookout. So when can I get it on my iPhone? <laughs> Is that in the roadmap at all? I ask that because I know a lot of people, I ask the same question to Microsoft about seeing AI. Um, you know, when is it going to Android? And I'm asking you, I guess, the same question. You know, is there a, is there a plan to bring Lookout, which is a fantastic app, to the iOS platform? At this time, we're focused mostly on trying to make Lookout as a first-class citizen and, and, and as performance and as and excellent as it can be on Android devices. Because we have control of the operating system and, and a deep understanding of, of, the, of the hardware, how it works, it's much easier for us to get a great experience on Android. Mm-hmm. The world is different on iOS. We, we, we won't necessarily have all of the same kind of, of controls that we would need. So right now we're focused on, on Android, um, but Apple is an excellent software company. I mean, heck, I worked there for 10 years myself. I'm, I'm not just sort of saying things just because they do excellent work. Um, and I'm sure they could put together a fantastic app if this is some, when they decide that this is what they want to do. Mm, well, indeed. Um, okay. So let's talk about Chrome Vox because, you know, for a long time, I, I dabbled in the world of Chrome Vox and you and I spoke about it in 2019. And, um, it was always a, a screen reader, which, and, you know, in fairness to it, it's not been around as long as others have. So, you know, to compare it in, to anything else on the market is is a, is a little unfair. Um, but it does seem to be coming along nicely. Mm. Uh, my recent experience with it is it's a very positive, very fast, very uh, responsive screen reader for Chrome devices. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's new in development there? What are you working on at the moment there? Well, thank you. Well, first, I want to thank you for recognizing the the improvements. The, the team has made real efforts, and, and we we have a really solid development team making Chromebox as as good as it can be. Um, where we've been focusing on is really raising awareness and and making it easier for people to use. So, for example, we've noticed through our research that people don't know about it when they need it, like when you're first installing the operating system. So one of the things we've done is we have a new, what we call out-of-box experience, where after a handful of seconds, maybe 20 or so, we'll give you an auditory and visual cue saying, hey, do you need Chromebox? Let me let me show you. Here's, here's how you turn it on so you can get yourself into the operating system without any assistance. 
once you're in the operating assistance, we've also created a bunch of tutorials that teach you how to use Chromebox and even build a sandbox so you can mess around and figure out how, how, how things work without having to accidentally print your screen or anything on the anything like that. Uh, that sounds fantastic. And as Stephen said, there's no doubt that Chromebox really has improved. I mean, it, it does seem like there's a lot of lot of work going into it. Uh, is there any features that you you are on the roadmap that we should look out for that you are excited about? The Get Image Descriptions feature as, as a part of the Chrome browser. This isn't Chrome, Chrome OS, but this is it is a profoundly impactful feature. Um, it was a, it's been released to date in in English, English, French, German, Hindi, Italian, and Spanish. And we've just actually released 10 new languages. So for me, it is not a, a new feature, but if, if you don't speak one of those languages we already supported, it now becomes completely relevant to you. So we've, we've added support for everything from Croatian, Czech, Dutch, to Swedish, Turkish, Portuguese, et cetera. So for me, this is, we, it's an, a, it's been a large qualitative improvement. The descriptions of the images are much better, but now because of these, these new languages, it, it's actually applicable and relevant to a much larger group of people. So some big changes came to Android 13 this year for sure, and I'm really glad that Chris you know, answered that question head on about Braille because that was a, a big question this year about you know this whole HID display and how that was going to work. And you know, we really, I think, got, I, I think a satisfactory answer out of that one. Well, satisfactory it depends if you've got one of the one or two that that didn't work with it, I mm. suppose. But <clears throat> as as he said, you know, there is also the option that the Braille display manufacturer could add backwards support there for the RF comms for to work uh, uh, that way as well. So, yeah, uh, uh, really interesting stuff. And again, you know, it, it, it does show the work that's gone into it. I was really impressed by Google's um, uh, real-time captioning. And uh, you know, obviously, it's nothing that I'm going to make use of. But I, Google were the first, I, I believe, really to to offer that offer that system wide and on the Chrome browser itself. Any audio that you're watching can be real time captioned. Now, yeah, you know, may not be a hundred percent accurate. In, in fact, I can guarantee that it isn't. But it's a step in the right direction, and I was really impressed by that. And we have seen, you know, Microsoft have, have recently uh, offered the same sort of thing on their Windows uh, systems as well, and you know, Apple. So. I think Google have got some uh, some great features, great ideas, and uh, yeah, they're 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 doing their job when it comes to accessibility. And I, yeah, you got to give them some applause for that. Oh, absolutely! And you know, obviously, we spoke to Chris before the big announcement of the new Pixel Seven phone, and of course, that takes us to the day when we did possibly our worst radio show we've ever done, which was trying to follow <laughs> yes. this event live. <laughs> Um, which was not easy. I mean, don't get me wrong, I had a good time with it, but I think, you know, so many, so many people were trying to hear it and us and everything it's else. Our in the listeners middle. that didn't have a good time. Yes. Yeah, so, exactly. Sorry. Yeah, I think we had a great time. Uh, everyone else hated it. But, um, you know, of course, the, one of the, the big stories that came out of that and actually in the show live, which took us both by surprise, was the inclusion of uh, blind YouTuber and Canadian Molly Burke. She was uh, featured... Yes. In uh, a feature about uh, guided frame, a new, uh, I, I guess, a new option available in Pixel Seven devices, and uh, yeah, it was a really interesting time just to to hear her talk about it. This is actually the video that was played out at the event. A G logo made by Google. Text appears as a person with glasses steps through a doorway and starts down a hall. Pixel Seven. Guided frame. Stepping outdoors, the person holds out their phone with the screen facing them and shuts their eyes, then follows the phone's commands. One face. Move your phone slightly left and down. Move your phone slightly right and up. Ready for selfie. Another person holds out their phone and the view shows the phone screen. A yellow circle highlights the person's face and they pose with a smile. Three, two, one. Photo taken. One face. Oh my God, I love this. Move your phone right and up. Ready for selfie. Wait, I want to get my light. Sitting on a bed, the person adjusts the phone's angle and the yellow circle finds their face again. The phone takes another photo without the button being pressed. Photo taken. This is so cool. They grin. Now they interview and take a selfie with a black dog on the bed. My name is Molly Burke. I'm a social media content creator and motivational speaker who happens to be blind. 
So often I find accessibility is focused on making sure disabled people can do the bare minimum to get by. Molly puts on a sweater and pets the dog then taps on the screen of the Google Pixel phone. It's important that accessibility not just focus on designing things to make disabled people function, but also empower them to have fun in life again. Elsewhere, the person with glasses carries a notebook into a doorway and sits down, opening the notebook. I'm Lingen Wang. I'm one of the original creators of Guided Frame. Guided Frame is a smart selfie feature that helps blind and low vision users to take a beautiful selfie. Lin Yua sits at an open laptop and pulls up images of a Google Pixel phone with the camera open and the yellow circle surrounding a person's face. Lin Yua writes in the notebook, then uses the Guided Frame feature outdoors with their eyes shut. Selfie to me and to many blind users, I think, is a way they express themselves. Molly sorts clothes on the bed, holding up tropical-themed leggings. Molly pulls on a yellow fur-trimmed jacket, then selects a lipstick and puts it on. For so long, I couldn't take selfies because I could never frame it correctly. I would try to like show a friend a new t-shirt that I got, and I'd be like, look at how cute this top is, and I'd text her a selfie, and she'd be like, yeah, I can't see it at all. Lying on a colorful rug in the fur jacket, Molly lifts the phone overhead to take a selfie. At a desk, Ling Yua holds a Google Pixel phone in front of an open laptop and takes notes in the notebook. In Google, we thrive to make our technology and product accessible for everyone to use. So it's super important for us to develop a camera experience that's inclusive. Photo taken. Guided Frame helps Molly take a photo, and footage of the screen shows two different selfies of Molly nicely in focus. Ling Yua jots down more notes. We constantly check in with our blind and low vision users because they are feel about how to make our product much better. Molly smiles, sitting cross-legged on the bed. Then Molly lies back in a jumper over a sweater, posing with one hand beside their head, gold rings glittering. My mom is an incredible photographer, but I don't want to always have to rely on my mom to take my photos. Molly sits up, moving out of view. Over the red comforter, white text appears. Pixel 7. I mean, there you go. What an incredible feature that uh, Google bring in there. Guided frame, which helps Molly take pictures, which helps all of us take more pictures of our face, Sean. Of course. And not just our face. You know, How often have you sent me pictures of your tropical leggings and said, how cute are these, Stephen? It's, it's something that we all need in our life, obviously. And you've never complained yet? I, I think it's partly because you can't see them, and I think that's the joy. Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, it's not the only story, of course, from Google, because they had other big features this year. Uh, new reader mode available on Android, as well as on Chrome, which is brilliant. Kind of very similar to the Safari reading mode, making it much easier to uh, read websites. Um and also, you mentioned it earlier, they opened their own research and development centre in the UK, in London, in fact, to uh, develop tech support for people with disabilities and support people with disabilities there as well. So that's the whole thing. They joined up oh, with yes. the RNIB. That's right. That was Google. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, uh, Royal National Institute of Blind People, <laughs> Royal National Institute of Deaf People. Um, also, uh, the charity Everyone Can uh, got together to develop this centre in London. It's the first time that they developed a research centre like this outside of the US. Uh, so this is something we're going to be picking up on in the new year. We're going to be talking more about this and talking more about Google. You know, it's interesting for me because obviously as the years progressed and I've seen the new products come along, like the Pixel 6a, then later the Pixel 7, I've kind of thought to myself, I wish I was an Android person. I really wish <laughs> yes. I was yeah. because some of the products, they're so cool. Um they work really well. Talkback is coming of age as well. And I wonder, I think in a, maybe in the next few years, I'm not saying it'll happen instantly, but I think in the next few years, you're going to see more blind people migrate to Google. Oh, I think you're seeing it already. You know, Talkback has, when, when I switched over to Talkback uh, Android phones a few years ago now, I, I think Talkback was you know on a par with VoiceOver on iOS at that point. Um, so, yeah, it, it comes down as well to the accessibility of pricing as well. Mm. And, and, and phones like the, you know, the Pixel 6a, absolutely amazing value for money for what you get. So, yeah, uh, fantastic. It's an interesting point, that, isn't it? Because we talked about pricing quite a lot over the course of the last year. And the money always comes up every single time we do yeah, this show. of course show. it does. Yes, Money comes up. And, and maybe more so this year because, you know, more people are concerned about what money they have, what yes. money they can afford. I mean, I, I, I'm always struck by Biggles, who got in touch with us. That that email will always stick with me, I think, where Biggles said to us this year, you know, I, I can't afford all this stuff. 
I just, you know, you talk about all this great tech and it all sounds brilliant, but I just can't afford it. Yeah. And, you know, absolutely. it led into a really interesting debate and discussion about how people can afford. And I think, you know, there's lots of ways people can get access to technology. You know, in Canada, for example, with the CNIB Phone It Forward campaign, which I think is just brilliant, where people send in devices and that gives people access to those devices free of charge. I think that's superb. And yep. I think that, you know, if you have got some money and you want to buy your own product and, you know, buy whatever you want and, and feel the ownership of it, then there are renewed and refurbished and pre-loved. And, you know, there's lots of ways to get access to new tech. You don't have to buy the latest and the greatest. But the good news is that for those people who've got a little bit of money, you know, there are new products out there. Like, And, and I still think the Pixel 6a is the best phone out there this year. I think it's probably one of the, I would even go so far to say it may well be my phone of the year. I think it's so good in terms of the yeah. design, the build, everything about it. Yeah. And of course, it has all the accessibility built in too. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, between that and the iPhone SE, yeah, you know, the, 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 the performance that you get for that sort of price, absolutely amazing. But well, as you I mean, said, yeah, the SE22 came out this year. Yes. You know what? It's a tired design. You know, the Pixel 6a is a much nicer, I agree. Uh, yeah. much better device. I think that, you know, and, and I will say, I wasn't that keen on the earlier Pixels. I thought the earlier Pixels didn't have the greatest design. I think the Pixel 5 was the first one I thought had a really nice design. Yeah. Um, so it took them a few iterations to get it right. The, the, the iPhone SE, though, is just an old, tired design. It's been out for years. Oof. So Hang you on, know, Stephen. Calm down. Nah, yeah, but nah, you love but the home button, so you like I the do tired love the home design. Button, and yes. I feel I'm going to lose that at some point. You know, maybe not. Maybe if they bring out the, the XR <laughs> design with the button in it, then maybe. But yeah, interesting. Anyway, speaking of Apple, that's tomorrow. We're talking Apple tomorrow. We're going to talk about some other companies as well, like Amazon, what have they been up to this year, and Samsung as well, and lots of other tech companies. Tech Giants Part 2 continues tomorrow on Double Tap. Uh, but that's not a bad start, is it? Looking back at the year, that's, that's a strong start. I, yeah, I think, you know what, Stephen? You did well there. They were some great examples. Well done, you. Excellent. It was all down to me. You can thank me later. No, wait. I did. Thank I just me did. now. Um, that's it. We're back tomorrow. <laughs> thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Check us out daily on AMI-audio. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Also find us across social media and on YouTube at Double Tap On Air. Catch you tomorrow. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.